Pop Health Podcast is a public service of 24-hour home care. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Pop Health Podcast. This is Gavin Ward, host of Pop Health Podcast. In today's episode, I sat down with Dr. Ramila Batra, the Chief Medical Officer for SCAN Health Plan, one of the largest health plans serving seniors in the Southwest. In today's episode, we learn about Dr. Batra's journey, where she followed the love of her life from India to the United States, and how she had a bigger vision than most, where she said, you know what? know if I just want to serve a panel of patients, but I want to do something at a grand scale. She shares her journey from that vision to reality here today at SCAN Health Plan. We hope you enjoy today's episode, which is part two of our Health Plan mini-series, and be on the lookout for parts three and four, where we'll learn from Giants in Healthcare, HealthNet, part of the Centene Corporation, and Blue Shield, where we have the Senior Vice President, Don Antonucci. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Again, check us out at pophealthpodcast.com, Spotify, Stitcher, and of course, our new YouTube channel as well. Thanks, everybody. Enjoy the show. Hello, Dr. Batra. Thanks so much for joining the show today. Thank you for having me on your show. Absolutely. So we always like to kick off uh, Pop Health Podcast with a little bit of the human side of our guests. So maybe share with us uh, something about you outside of the workplace, something like a fun fact. Well, outside of the workplace, I really enjoy a few things. Travel is my main passion, which unfortunately has been cramped because of the pandemic. And running. I enjoy running. I do half marathons, marathons, trail run, do a lot of that stuff. That's what keeps me Nice, Dr. Bacha. Now, the, uh, the pandemic, obviously, with the travel, so for running... Where So SCAN is based in Long Beach. Do you run anywhere near that area or where do you like to run? I, I live in Orange County and very fortunate, great weather, except for the last few days. Uh, a lot of good trails to run. Sometimes I'll run on the beach, run around the neighborhood, depending on how much time I have. And sometimes plain old treadmill is the way to go when you're running and rushing to go to work. So yeah. whatever comes my way, I go with the flow. Nice. I'm a big believer in the treadmill. Uh, I'm not sure about you, but uh, I turn on my sports and uh, and do my running and it flies by. Do you listen to music or do anything while you're running on the treadmill? Yeah, I'm generally doing the same too. Like uh, mostly I run in the mornings right before I go to work. So I'm mostly listening to the news and catching up with the day and getting organized in my head to tackle the day. So it's it's a good multitasking and gets your adrenaline going for the rest of the day. Nice. What influenced your passion for running? It's, um, I actually started running pretty late in my life. My husband is a big runner, had run all his life from his high school days. You know, I had my second child and that's when I decided the easiest thing to exercise is to run. You don't have to depend on anything. And so that's how I just got into running. That's great. So let's start with your early part of life. Uh, tell us about where you grew up and eventually how you started thinking of being a doctor. Yeah, I grew up in India and all parts of India. My dad was in the army, so I got to experience all different regions. I was very influenced by my mother, who was a very passionate uh, microbiologist. And so at a very early age, I decided I wanted to do medicine. And interestingly, in India, when you grow up, uh, you start med school right after high school. So you have to pretty much know at the age of 15 that you're going to go into medicine. And so I was fortunate to start medical school right after high school and um, graduate fairly young and work in India before I decided to move on to the U.S. 
how was the process of coming to the U.S.? Like, what was the inspiration? Was it easy? Uh, it was uh, matters of love. I fell in love with my husband, who was based out of the U.S. We actually went to high school together, and he moved here to do his undergrad and med school, and we continued uh, to stay engaged with each other. And so eventually I decided I had to take the giant leap and move over. It's a very complex process because you literally have to repeat everything you had learned. So um, I was already practicing in India. You, I had to actually fly to Thailand to take my entrance exams, then apply and uh, fly over to the U.S. and interview at 10 different places and then wait to get accepted and then do a three-year res three residency. So it was part of it was retraining one more time, but it went by really fast. How was the, was there a culture shock for you? Was it, I know you had your, your love, your, your husband was here. But how was that for you being in the United States initially? It, it was it was a culture shock, but I would think less so than many other people, because in, the good thing in India, growing up in India, is you grow up speaking English. So at least the language is not a barrier. I know when I was training, I had folks from Russia and other countries who had to learn English to be able to practice here. Um, yet it's, it's a cultural shock from professional perspective um, because of the tools and technologies available in this country compared to when you're practicing in India, you're basically using your hands, ears, nose, and a stethoscope. So that was a, a, that was a good thing. Um, it was a difference uh, in pace of life as well, but uh, I was fortunate. I had a lot of uh, family with my husband's family, so I was able to assimilate fairly fast. And what's not to like about America when you can do so many things, you know, you can go skiing and you can hike and bike and do all those things within a matter of few days. Yeah, no, definitely. So tell us about where you went to medical school. I went to med school in India, and um, after I finished medical school, I uh, practiced for a few years. Uh, I actually uh, used to run a ER, and then I moved here, and I did my residency at UCLA, VA West LA system, so literally down the street in uh, Westwood area. Um, and then from there, I kind of practiced for a few years after graduating in Indiana, and then good old Southern California attracted me back. Nice. So your roots today, uh, you would say home is California, I would assume. Yes. Yes. Is that what you generally tell people where say, where's home for you? Would you say California or would you say India? Oh, I've been here so many years now. This is truly home. I've been here 20 plus years. Um, so this is absolutely my home now. Nice. So when you're going to medical school, when you go out to Indiana, even when you come back, were you always looking at advancing to more of a leadership role and less of a you know, full-time hands-on role? Was that always your dream, your vision? I think once, uh, I strongly believe um, it doesn't matter if you're a physician. Once you go into healthcare, like it or not, you are all in a leadership role because people are looking to you to lead. You may be a social worker, you may be a nurse, you may be an echo tech, you may be a med student. So you have no choice but to step up. Um, I had always envisioned myself in a leadership role initially, more so in a in an academic educational setting. So the first 10 years of my life, I actually ran residency programs, uh, trained physicians. So I did a lot of med school training, did a lot of internal medicine residency training and really enjoyed it. Um, few years after having done that, I felt this urge to do something more. Yeah. Uh, that's where I kind of uh, pivoted a little bit. Um, I did my MBA and decided I wanted to do something uh, maybe at a larger scale versus, uh, you know, running a clinic or running a couple of clinics. 
I wanted to have that feeling of not managing a panel of a thousand patients, but managing a panel of 200,000 patients. And so that's where I landed that scan. Yeah. And you mentioned 200,000. So that's a number uh, relatively recent for scan. Um, and we'll, we'll get more to how you ended up at scan in a moment, but maybe give in a nutshell, tell us about who scan is and uh, where scan is. Yeah, so SCAN is a Medicare Advantage plan. Um, we offer services to Medicare beneficiaries. So all we do every day, day after day, is older adults, serving older adults. It's a lot of focus and a lot of passion around it. SCAN's based out of uh, Southern California and Long Beach. However, we have membership all over the state, Northern California, Southern California, different counties. Um, very excited that we were born from our community, um, started by 12 angry seniors. I'm sure a lot of folks have heard that story that believed that there was more to health than just doctors and hospitals and nursing homes. And they wanted to age in their own homes. And that's how SCAN was born. So for the longest time, we were the social HMO serving our members to keep them independent in their home by providing social services and what is now known as social determinants of health. So helping with food and nutrition and transportation and in-home services and things like that. Uh, we are a four and a half star plan, three years in a row. So very excited about that distinction. But our biggest pride is that we love serving our members in the way they want to be served. That's great. And so 200,000 members uh, was a recent, I think in 2018, 2019, you grew past that number. Now you mentioned SCAN is a Medicare Advantage a plan, but there's also other types of pockets of patients within that group. Can you tell us like about maybe the employer group side briefly or the Medi-Medi population that you serve? So yeah, absolutely right. Um, even though we serve actually it's 220,000 members now, um, there are different uh, products or um, uh, targeted populations that we serve. So we do serve the Medicare Advantage, which is uh, the basic population. But in addition, we serve certain special populations, we call them. So chronic special needs plan. These are folks who may have diabetes or heart disease. Uh, we also have a, a special needs plan around end-stage renal disease, so folks that are on uh, dialysis. We also have a special plan called a 5D SNP, which is fully integrated, dual eligible special needs plan. Thank you. Mouthful. <laughs> and what it means um, is uh, we have folks who have Medicare and within the state of uh, California, they also have Medi-Cal. And so what we help them do is coordinate both sides, because as you can imagine, there are some benefits you get from Medicare, but then there are some benefits that you can get from Medi-Cal. When you do both sides, you know that you run out of your transportation rides with Medicare so my nurse can then say, no worries, I got it because you have Medi-Cal. So let me see what Medi-Cal can offer you. So that's what we do through that FIDISNIP. We do do the employer group population, just like you said. Um, that's also a, a, a service we are very proud of. Uh, in addition, uh, we serve some uh, dual uh, population that I just told you about called the FIDISNIP. So those are the different things that we do with our populations. Nice. And just for the audience, on the employer side, it's uh, older adults, typically retirees that are still getting their benefits through their old employer, correct? That is absolutely correct. So as you age in and you turn 65, uh, some of um, us may want to pick a managed care option, and that's where SCAN plays a role. Uh, and in, in addition to offering the Medicare benefits, which all Medicare beneficiaries have access to it, 
we also offer certain supplemental benefits. Think of, think of this as additional things. And that's what those employer group uh, beneficiaries get. Nice. So let's talk briefly. Most of our audience will know this, but Dr. Batra, can you remind the audience as to why people choose a Medicare Advantage plan instead of traditional fee-for-service Medicare? Maybe just what's the difference and why they would choose SCAN, for example. Yeah. I'll start with an example of my mother-in-law, who was a Medicare fee-for-service beneficiary. So every year she would have to buy a supplemental plans that would pay for her co-pays or deductible, her co-insurances, which Medicare doesn't cover 100%. That's a start. The second thing that Medicare doesn't, fee-for-service doesn't cover is what we call the supplemental benefits, which are things like hearing aids, transportation rights, meal benefits, uh, in-home caregiving if you, God forbid, you came back from the hospital, respite care for your loved one when you are in a need and feeling burnt out about it, um, things like um, uh, a live video chat with a physician uh, through telehealth platform. So those are the kind of supplemental benefits that Medicare Advantage plans can offer and do offer in California. And fee-for-service Medicare, for example, does not offer that. So that is the big difference between the two things. That's how I look at it. The additional thing I would like to kind of share with uh, uh, folks also is when you are in a Medicare Advantage plan, your care is being coordinated. So if you are in the hospital, somebody is raising their hand and reaching out to help you so that your doctor knows you were in the hospital to make sure you have the right medications, to make sure you have a benefit that allows you to uh, have meals delivered to your home. And that coordination, it doesn't matter you're younger or you're older, especially when you're older, is that much more important when you're feeling down and you know had this episode, you were in the hospital. So that's the other thing that Medicare Advantage offers, which fee-for-service doesn't offer. That's great. And uh, what would be a reason why someone would choose Medicare fee-for-service when it's less benefits? What's, what's a why behind that? Yeah, so um, we live in a free country. There is a freedom of choice. We all love choices. Um, when you join Medicare fee-for-service, um, you don't have to choose a primary care physician. You can go to one primary care physician today or different one day after tomorrow. You also do not need any kind of uh, referrals or authorizations to see a cardiologist or a neurologist. You can yourself pick a cardiologist and go see everyone and go anywhere in the network. Whereas when you pick a Medicare Advantage plan, it always starts with picking your quarterback, as I call it, your primary care physician. And your primary care physician truly is that coordinator that is helping you with all the processes. But then that primary care physician is responsible for referring you to the cardiologist within the network or referring you to a neurologist in your network. You cannot self-refer yourself. And you also have to stay within that network. So what I mean by that is if my network is, let's say, UCLA physicians, I cannot then suddenly decide I'm going to get up and go to Cedars or I can get up and go to Hope or UCI unless I choose a physician in that particular network. I also don't want your listeners walking away thinking, oh, my God, I'm trapped with this one physician and I never shall change. You can change a primary care physician. You can change a medical group. You can change a hospital group on a monthly basis for the most part. So it's not that you're extremely limited in your choices, 
But once you make a choice, you have a network that you can see a physicians within. So that's the primary difference between the two. Great, thank you very much. Um, my mom, uh, we, we talked off the air and for the audience, uh, you may have heard this last year with uh, Jill, uh, one of uh, Dr. Bacho's counterparts from SCAN, but uh, she's, my mom's a, a SCAN member and uh, she was excited because when she turned 65, the doctor she was seeing was in the SCAN network. So she, you know, was basically able to keep her doctor but have all the other advantages that a plan like SCAN offers. And I wanted to ask you, um, you know, the advantages that you guys offer, the supplemental benefits, for example, what are some of the common supplemental benefits that SCAN members are uh, big fans of or most, mostly utilize? Mm -hmm. I think the biggest supplemental benefit that our plan members use, utilize is around vision, being able to get your glasses. But at the same time, we also have a lot of uh, folks utilizing other benefits like uh, dental and our uh, current supplemental benefit in dental also offers um, deep cleaning, which as you know, as you get older, the, as you get older, you know, you hear your doctor saying more and more, oh, you need a deep cleaning and things like that. So we covered those kind of things. Um, in addition, uh, there are a few that are also emerging as uh, popular favorites. Transportation is one of them. So you don't have to depend on your, you know, caregiver or your son or daughter-in-law or somebody else to take you. You have uh, rights that you can use one way, two ways. Um, that is getting to be popular. Um, another one that we have seen uh, folks uh, use uh, during the pandemic is the video visit one that I spoke to you about, which is, um, you know, if you need an urgent need, you have an urgent need from your couch, from your bed, from your kitchen table, you can access a physician through video chat. So those are the kind of benefits people are using. Um, the interesting thing is as uh, Medicare has provided us more flexibility, we have been able to offer some very uh, neat benefits that let you live the life you wanna live. So till a couple of years back, we could offer rights to our members, but you could just use it to go to a doctor's office or to a pharmacy. Well, starting this year, uh, we are, for a certain percentage of a population based on your risk, can offer you rights that you can take to go to the grocery store. Because if you don't have a right to go to the doctor, like why should we assume you have a right to go to the grocery store? You can also take that right to go to a senior center. Isolation is a big problem as you get older. Yeah. So how do we keep you engaged and you know be true to our mission, which is to keep seniors healthy and independent? So those are some new things that we have started offering starting this year. That's great. And uh, for the audience, some of you may know that already, but some may not. Uh, 2019 was the first uh, Medicare year that CMS uh, allowed some new flexibility, as Dr. Batra is referencing. Uh, that included other things not mentioned, uh, like the personal care or in-home care services he touched on earlier, which includes the respite care, uh, which is new for SCAN this year. But SCAN's been doing some of these things when they were allowed many years back. So you're kind of at the, um, you guys kind of have the most experience to really deploy these benefits. Mm -hmm. um, while other plans uh, are also trying to get into these benefits, but it might be new to them. And I do want to commend you uh, and your team. Uh, my day job has some interaction with SCAN and uh, uh, it's really neat the way they interact with some of not just my day job, but others, they understand these providers that might be new to other health plans. Mm -hmm. And I have to admit, um, other health plans, I've seen some challenges that they've had deploying some of these new benefits because it's brand new. Mm. So, um, well, it's great that they're doing it. Kudos to SCAN for being at the forefront and really testing some things earlier on 
Um, I know there was some flexibility Medicare gave scan in the early 2000s with things like personal care. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, just a quick kudos to your team. And um, I wanted to ask you uh, earlier in the in the show, I mentioned, oh, we want to get to how you got to scan. So let's let's talk about that now. Um, how did you end up at scan? I, I guess. Um most of the physicians that they go into medicine go in with the intention to always see patients because that's what draws them to healthcare. And that is exactly what drew me to healthcare. Um, as I was practicing, I was also very, very passionate about teaching. So I mostly practiced and taught in academic centers. I, I taught at Indiana University and then uh, more recently at University of California in Irvine. And um, as I was, you know, uh, re-looking at my line, wanting to do a little bit more, I got my MBA and I wanted to see where I could make a difference. But I wanted to make a difference where there were truly problems to be solved. Um, I wanted to work for an organization that had a heart, that had a purpose, that had a mission. And that's how I ended up uh, with SCAN after kind of scouring around to see where would I fit with my skill set and my ambitions. SCAN was a very good fit. Um, I started about 10 years back. We were pretty small at that time, as you were saying, Evan, um, about 100,000 members or maybe less than 100,000 members. A very passionate team. When I interviewed um, at the organization, I could truly feel the mission um, around keeping seniors healthy and independent. And since I'm an internal medicine person by physician by background, a primary care physician by background, most of my practice was older adults to begin with. So to me, it felt like it was an evolution. And I was going to go from a panel of 1,500 uh, patients to a panel of 200,000 or 100,000 members and be able to truly um, um, help design programs that meet the needs of the seniors. And when I say meet the needs, I don't mean necessarily just medical needs, very important in itself, but also social needs. And, you know, I'm sure you've heard during the pandemic, it's interesting, you know, as we were reaching out to folks um, and checking in on them, we made about 100,000 calls. N- not many people said they had a need around seeing the doctor or clinical care. The needs that they were talking were more around, oh, how do I get groceries? You know, I don't know if I have enough groceries in my home. Uh, how do I get the disinfectant? You know, I don't know. Well, should I go out? I'm worried about going out. How can I get my medicines to me because I'm worried about going to the pharmacy or I don't have the ride that I used to have or I'm worried to take a ride. So those are the kind of things um, that I feel like we are very proud of doing at SCAN with the social roots that we've had is setting up um, systems that can cater to your whole person need. Nice. That's great. So you've been there, is it 10 years or how long have you been? Yeah, almost every 10 years next summer. Okay. Awesome. Nice. So um, CMO, you know, when people hear that term, they might think chief marketing officer, chief medical officer, obviously a chief medical officer there at SCAN. How does your role as a CMO at a health plan differ than like at a provider, like a a hands-on provider? Tell us about that. Yeah, in the hands-on provider, as a chief medical officer, you would do a lot of what I am doing as well, which is to oversee quality. Is quality care being delivered, which is are people getting access to the right kind of providers? Are there outcomes what we would expect from that population? Is their experience what the experience they should be getting? Do they have affordable medicines and things like that? So that's pretty much somewhat similar to a healthcare delivery system or a hospital system. Where it differs is um, in a health plan, especially being a Medicare Advantage health plan, where we have a 
a population that we get assigned every year, you can take a bigger step back and take a more proactive population health approach. And what I mean by that is I, on, on, my, uh, on, on my healthcare delivery side, I was there for my patients as they showed up to the hospital system or showed up to the clinic to help them with their medical needs. And that's pretty much what I was responsible for or I had control over. When I'm working on the health plan side, you know, I can help think about what other needs may be help design the benefits to play a role in that. But more importantly, also be able to assess the population and deliver, create and deliver right programs to meet their needs. So for example, um, we have a, a, a proportion of our population that has um, a history of falling or having mental health issues or having issues with incontinence. And as much as we would try, we could not engage with them. Providers are having difficulty engaging with them. So we took our own members, um, we trained them in motivational interviewing, and we said, hey, there's nothing like peer support. Why don't you call these people and engage with them, empower them, educate them on how to get active, empower them to, to talk to their physicians about their incontinence, you know, see, address their fears about falling and how they can get better at it. And we call it the peer-to-peer -peer program. Mm -hmm. So those are the kind of programs we design. And actually, we um, um, our peers engage with over 10,000 of our members. And it's interesting the level of engagement we get. You know, it's different when you're a 70-year-old talking to a 70-year-old who's been in the same shoes as you, who can empathize truly versus you're a 70-year-old talking to a 26-year-old nurse who has amazing intentions, but at some level may not be able to connect or the person may not feel comfortable. So those are the kind of programs as a chief medical officer you can design. On the other extreme, we also have program, we call it a palliative care program, which is addressing the needs of the members and the caregivers in the most advanced illnesses of their life, making sure their needs are, uh, their wishes are recorded and fulfilled. So this is a spectrum that you get to design as a chief medical officer. So that I feel is a little bit different from the healthcare delivery side. And last but not the least, um, uh, what I also um, am extremely proud of working at SCAN, which is a not-for-profit organization, is we run our own community benefit organization. And that is truly based in the communities that we serve. We have 100 uh, folks, which are social workers, gerontologists, pharmacists, therapist, and they're truly meeting the needs of the community. These are not SCAN members that they're meeting the needs for, but any older adult who has that need in their homes, in the languages they speak, uh, in the place of their choice. So those are the kind of things that CMO at SCAN does, um, which is maybe a little bit different from the delivery system. Yeah, that's great. Great explanation, Dr. Bacha. Let's talk about the community benefit or just SCAN's giving in general. So, um, one thing I know about SCAN is, like you said, the, the giving in the community, not just for SCAN members. So last year, uh, I understand, you know, there was 45 organizations that received grants anywhere from like five to $25,000 to help them in their communities. How does SCAN, uh, maybe just in a, in a high level, how does SCAN pick which organizations you're going to be generous to? Our, our goal always has been to, um, um, support organizations that are looking out for the, uh, for the older adults. And for us, older adults means 55 and over in the community. And so we wanna support the causes that will keep uh, older adults healthy and independent in their homes, that's our mission. And so if you notice the kind of grants that we give are tied to that. 
When we look at the needs of the older adults in the community, they are pretty basic needs, food, nutrition, social support, and transportation. So you'll notice a lot of our grant giving is around those areas. I'll give you an example. Um, during the pandemic, and we do a proactive outreach to certain organizations that we feel so that we can help support them. During the pandemic, what became very apparent were as we were all sheltering in place, and didn't matter if you're older or younger, we were all missing social interaction and, the, and felt that isolation piece. So we supported organizations that would reach out to folks in the community and check in on them. We also supported a, a, like an aging line, I believe it's called friendly aging line. I think the only kind of line in the country that supports older adults and who are especially going through mental health problems um, due to depression um, and, and, and honestly uh, preventing suicide in older adults. So those, those folks we proactively reach out to because we wanna have more of those kind of organizations be available to older adults. But other than that, um, we also will support organizations around uh, Alzheimer's OC or Alzheimer's other places. So things that are really true to our mission in keeping people healthy and independent in their homes. That's great, Dr. Bacha. Um, as we wrap up the show, we got to touch on the pandemic um, and the coronavirus. I try to keep these episodes. There's so much COVID news out there. I try to focus on other things as well. But it's important, I think, that we touch on it at SCAN. How has the current pandemic we're in, we're recording this episode uh, late summer of 2020, has there been much of a need to change what you guys do during the pandemic? And maybe at a high level, what have those changes been if you've had to make some changes? Yeah, the one thing that became very apparent uh, during the pandemic was the speed of change was fast. Um, and honestly, for some of us, it was in a way, um, exciting the things that we wanted to have done in many, many years because of legal requirement and compliance requirements were harder to do, suddenly became a little bit easier to do, like telehealth being one of them. There were so many restrictions for the providers, right? You could not use this platform and that platform. And now when I look at my family and peers, everybody's using every platform to talk to their doctors and nurses, right? You can use Zoom and you can use FaceTime and you can use something else. Yeah. So for us, the change was um, dramatic. All uh, We all sheltered in place on March 13th. I think um, 1,100 out of our 1,200 people workforce was in home within the first 10 days or so, which was a huge uh, shift to set up everybody in their homes. But then um, starting at that point on, we kind of um, backed off a little bit of a traditional way of doing things um, and our programs. Our first thing was to make sure that our older adults were taken care for. So we quickly launched social outreach calls, we call them, which started with a list of the folks at the highest risk that we knew were higher risk and then kept going down. So as of yesterday, we made close to 100,000 calls to just check in on people. And that's where we heard about the food needs and we started packing food bags, delivering in people's homes. So those were the, sh the shifts that happened. The other thing we quickly realized was as we got into months two and three is there were some people who could not postpone their clinical care. So we very, uh, very quickly started partnering with our provider partners to see how could we get people care without bringing them into the hospital or into the clinic where they would be exposed to risk. So, so many cool innovations happened during the time. We started delivering iPads with providers to people's home mm -hmm. so that if they did not have access to any kind of a uh, digital device, 
uh, iPad would be delivered. You just click a link, you get to talk to me, the doctor, the nurse that you're talking about. So care comes to you, which is how healthcare should be. You know, care should come to the consumer. The consumer should not have to go to the care all the time. So I think that was one good innovation that came out of it. Um, another good thing that came out of it is we noticed that people had devices, some people had devices, but they did not know how to connect to their physician. So we started up a, a, what we call a technology support line, um, an acute example. I think the first person was a 92-year-old gentleman who wanted to talk to his doctor on a video platform and you know, had to set up an email account. So very patiently, our health, uh, help desk person who was helping him took an hour and a half to help him set up an email account so that he could talk to his doctor. So those kind of things were um, the silver linings in the whole pandemic where we were able to kind of... Um, truly meet the needs of people the way they wanted their needs to be met. Not that uh, folks who wanted to be seen still got the right and got seen, but we were able to kind of uh, come to this very consumer-centric model, I would call it. Awesome. Awesome. So 2021 is right around the corner. Uh, when folks are watching or listening to this episode, it'll be really, really close. Is there anything new you're able to share um, about 2021 with SCAN? Yeah, I'm very excited. We'll be sharing some newer benefits. Uh, some of them are very, very near and dear to my heart. Um, diabetes, about a third or more of our population has diabetes. And uh, some of them uh, are on insulin. And for folks who are on insulin, it's a very expensive medication. Even the copay is very expensive. So very excited that we are introducing a benefit um, which will offer $0 insulin uh, to some folks who are in certain plans and to others, a reduced copay of $25 for insulin. So once again, you know, medicines don't work in people who don't take them and people don't take medicines because sometimes they cannot afford the medicine. Yeah. So that's something we're excited about. And then learning from the pan pandemic, um, we uh, are introducing a new benefit around technology support. So think of it as your own personal genius bar of sorts. So we have a technology oh, wow. support line. Yeah, it's called Health Tech. My mom, so, my mom, I'm telling her, she needs it. <laughs> <laughs> you should tell her, yeah. So that's the second one I'm excited about. Obviously, we're continuing our benefits that we've offered, like respite care and dental. And some of them, we're making them richer in terms of number of uh, meals you can get delivered at home. And uh, last but not the least, um, social isolation. Learned a lot about it. People being alone, people worried about um, interacting. So we are introducing a benefit around called Brain HQ. It is um, games that you can do to keep your brain active, just like you would keep your body active. So that would be another new benefit that we would be introducing. Okay, great. Is there anything that you're uh, maybe removing just because it wasn't used or wasn't it seen the impact you thought it would be? I I. From the top of my head, I don't think we are removing anything because once again, the benefits are, you know, designed to serve certain populations. You're absolutely correct. Some of them are used more, like vision is used more because, you know, uh, your vision as an older adult, a higher likelihood that you would need glasses and things like that. But there are some benefits that are used less, but they're very, very important for the people who need them. So for uh, for example, our in-home meal and caregiving after discharge is used by a lesser proportion of our population, but it's very key to the folks who are getting discharged from the hospital rely on friends and family to deliver food, which is not only, it's not only food, but food that's appropriate for your condition. So, um, so we are not thinking of removing any one of them. Great. Well, Dr. Bacha, you've been uh, very good with clear, concise, compelling information on this show. And uh, 
I've really appreciated that about you. How can folks uh, learn about SCAN as we wrap up? Uh, visit us on our website. We have a very uh, older adult friendly website. So you can see clearly very, very key to it. Um, call us anytime. Um, our people pick up the phone and guess what? They are local. They know how to pronounce Sapovara versus anybody in outsourced call centers somewhere else. So call us, visit us on our website, learn more about us. Awesome. And then if people want to follow you or see what you're up to, uh, what are the best ways to do that? Any social media areas? Yeah, I am. I am on Twitter and I am also on LinkedIn. So if you're a professional, you want to connect me through connect with me through LinkedIn, I would absolutely love it. Awesome, Dr. Batra. We'll really appreciate your time. Dr. Batra is the chief medical officer at Scan Health Plan, celebrating almost 10 years. She also teaches at UCI, um, which we didn't touch on today, but uh, that's um, I know you mentioned uh, you've been teaching a, a big part of your life. So um, yeah, again, appreciate you being on the show, Dr. Batra, and look forward to seeing how SCAN expands uh, to 250,000 members soon. Thank you so much, Gavin. Good talking to you, too. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of Pop Health Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode, and if you have and want to check out other episodes, visit us at pophealthpodcast.com, iTunes or Apple Music, Spotify, Stitcher, and now YouTube as well. Take care.